But, but if you can see my shirt, it says there's more. And that's what God has been pressing on my heart. There is more for the body of believers. And, and, and there's more in our life as far as having children. There's more in ministry. There's always more in the things of God. And we talk about in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on his sons and daughters. We, we read about that in Joel. We read about it in Acts. There is more. But, but God, whether that happens today or tomorrow, God wants to do it today. Because even with David, David killed the bear. Well, David killed Goliath. There is more. There is more in the things of God. Jesus did these unbelievable things in his life. There is more. And he's turned that over to us and says, you'll do even greater things than, these, than I did because I've gone to be with the Father. There is more. There is more that God wants to do in this body. And we need to allow him to do that. Uh, next week, our children's church, uh, they've repaid and done some things up in the old church. And, and, and they're raring to go. So next week, Parents, your children are going to be back in the old church. There is more, but that may be a physical thing, but, but there's spiritually more for all of us and stepping out in the things and in, in the glory of the Lord. How many can remember what this is? A little jar of dirt. Does anybody remember that? Gary's raising his hand up. Carrie and Tammy's raising their hand up. Doug is, Aaron is. Twelve years ago, Todd is in the back. Twelve years ago, on Walter Garfield's property, anybody that wanted to in the body of Christ, on March the 4th, 2006, came together and they brought their dirt, their backyard or their farm or wherever, and said, put it in a big bowl, and it was a big bowl, and we mixed it up. And we prayed over it and we stood on these scriptures and we were believing that there is more and that God would bless us in all these things. And here it is 12 years later and next year's the anniversary of that or next week is the 12th year anniversary of that. And the reason I say that is there is more and I'm going to talk about next week on how God has blessed just this little thing that we gave to him. And said, God, we trust that there is more when we, when we turn ourselves completely over to you. And so there is more that God wants to do in this body. And we shouldn't ever get complacent because Oakton's done some great things. I, I can look around the room and, and talk about miracles and just all these unbelievable things that God has done. But he's just beginning. He's just beginning. There is more. And so today... Uh, I'm going to change the subject a little bit and move on to the, the sermon here. But, but I'm going to be coming out of um, John chapter 2, verse 13 today. And the, if you're writing down and take notes today, to be honest with you, I dreamed this sermon and I have never done that. Meaning literally saw it on paper. And, and, and to be honest with you, the Lord give me some points. And, and until this morning, that's all he gave me. Um, and that's what I'm going to share with you today. But the first point is not in my house. Second point is blame love. Third point is we are the temple. And 1 Corinthians 3.16 is a scripture I'm going to refer to. And then strive for holiness. And I'm going to use 1 Corinthians 6.9 or Galatians chapter 5. But we'll talk about these things today. 
So it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep and doves for sacrifice. And he also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes, chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep, the cattle, the scattered the money changers, coins all over the floor, floor and turned over the tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passions for God's house will consume me. And that's what Jesus and the disciples thought of. I went ahead and looked up that prophecy to see what they were quoting and what they remembered. And through commentaries and different things, Psalm 69, 9 was the one that they're referring to. And it says, passion for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Father, we just lift this, this service to you today. And Father, we just again know your presence is here. And Lord, you're telling us how you've already taken care of everything. And so since you've taken care of everything, Lord, we need to line up with you. And so we ask today that our spirits line up with your spirit and that you minister to each and every one of us today individually. Lord, how we need to be ministered to. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point, when it comes to sin, Jesus says, not in my house. And, and, and the reason I bring this up today is that, that the Lord has put this on upon my heart uh, several weeks ago. A young man at, at, at one of our youth, I led to Christ. And I led him to Christ. And before the end of that night, Kyle had got after him about violent lustful music that he was playing in in the house of God. Amy got after him for disrupting the service and had sent him to me. And with me sitting right there, the the guy had had worked two little kids and tried to get him to kiss. You know, and I I caught him. I said, what are you doing? And and got after him about that. And then another boy came crying to me and he said, Pastor I don't want to fight this boy, but this boy's making me crying. And I'm like, my goodness, I just led this kid to Christ. And all these things happen after I lead him to Christ. What's going on, Lord? Because I know he received. Lord, I know he knows you. What's going on? And it wasn't over yet. We walk outside and I see Landon talking to him. And, and, and he jumps in Landon's face and said, don't you disrespect me. I lost it. Didn't hit him. Wanted to. <laughs> Seriously, wanted to. But I reached under him and grabbed him up and nicely carried him out and set him down and opened my mouth and said, not in my house. And boy, the old devil attacked me from that. Oh, he attacked me. You heathen, you're in anger. You're this, you're that. But the Lord laid this sermon on my heart that night. And he reminded me of Jesus. Jesus. 
And Jesus went in at the start of his ministry in John chapter 2, in verses 16, 17 that we just read today. And he started his ministry by cleansing the temple. He said, not in my house. And a lot of us probably don't realize it and don't think about it. But he did it again at the end of his ministry. And if you don't know the truth, you probably hadn't been taught that. You just probably remember of one temple cleansing. And the one we all know for sure about, and be honest with you, I used this last year at the Passover, the week before, excuse me, the week before the crucifixion, Holy Week. I used this scripture to talk about Jesus clearing the temple then. But it was at the beginning of his, his ministry. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are addressing the end of his ministry that last week. And on Monday, again, he went into the temple and he cleared the temple of pretty much the same things. Three years later, cleared the temple of pretty much the same things. And like a lot of you may be doubting what I'm saying today, I went to the commentaries to say, if I'm reading this right, but if you look in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and in 14 that Word became flesh. Then it talked about John the Baptist. Then it goes to chapter 2, and Jesus turns the water to wine, the first miracle that Jesus ever performed. Then he cleanses the temple. Then he goes out and does this, and he works with the ladies, and he works with this other lady that's in there. In John chapter 11, he does the the raising Lazarus from the dead. And so you can see it's at the beginning of his ministry when it was recorded in John. But the second time was at the end of his ministry. On Monday, he went into the temple. On Tuesday, the leadership and the church challenged him all day and confronted him about parables and argued with him all day. And on Wednesday, he rest. On Thursday, he did the Lord's Supper. And then on Friday, he went to the cross. On Saturday, he was beating the devil's tail. Then what Jim uh, uh, interpreted today. And on Sunday, he rose from the dead. And so I looked at this commentary and I just thought in there, you know, What does it say about it? And this is what it worded in the commentary. Cleansing the temple was Jesus' first great public act and his last great public act. Get these things unrighteousness out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And in Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. One pastor went on to talk about how it was a cleansing and, a, and different things. But, but again, what God was trying to tell us that Jesus was upset with the, the believers, the men and women of God that should know better. He was upset because here they're in his temple deceiving people. They're so greedy, they stink. They're, they're immoral. They don't want anything to do with morality. I've been washing the blood. I can do whatever I want now. They were secularizing the, the things of God. Is that not in the church today? Oh, we got to become more acceptant of the world today. we got to be embracing more of the world and, and love, love, love. Whenever you attack the world, oh, you're not loving. You're not loving. Commercializing, they were commercializing, and, and, and then they were just, they're just disrespectful to the house of God. 
And he said, not in my house. Not in my house. And I just thought about that. If you can't understand anything I tell you today or said today, just bring a bunch of cattle in here, a bunch of doves in here next week, a bunch of sheep in here next week, set up some money tables over here, and try to have church. They were pooping on church. Literally. But pastor, we're not that way. I can't believe that child you're talking about. Boy, he don't need to be at the church. And I thought to myself, I've never been that way. But dad, I can remember twice that you'd minister to a family that lived down here. And their son came to church and I whipped him because I was stupid and treated him horrible. I can remember another time when I was 17 that dad had got a family to come to church and I fought their son on the square that night because I was stupid and silly. We've all got a lot of things in our lives that we need to be dealing with that don't need to be in the house of God. And you are that house. And that's point three we're going to get to. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm talking about here, but I'm also talking about here. There's some stuff in both places that Jesus is saying, not in my house. Why? Because he's done what the tongue and interpretation said today. He's taken care of everything. He has forgiven you and he's delivered you from them things. You have no excuse for allowing him there, allowing them there. But we've never played bad music or allowed bad things in our house at home. My wife walks into me a lot of times and said, honey, I can't believe you're watching that. And she'll turn it off sometimes. Leave me alone. That's what I say a lot of times. <laughs> I'm spiritual. I can deal with it. She can't deal with the cussing thing. I use the excuse. I was, I was raised in construction. I don't hear it. We think about different things that that boy may have done. I've never been disruptive in church. Okay. The kissing one there, I'm still trying to figure out an excuse for that one, but, but maybe we want somebody else's spouse, maybe because ours doesn't measure up. We long for that. But we've never caused fights and quarrels. We've never shared offenses. We're just totally respectful to God, this, the pastors in this house. The reason Jesus challenges us to look at our hearts is the same reason that God challenges us to look at our hearts because he loves us and he knows the more that he can get of us the better off we are. And I think back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden, I ask the youth a lot of times, hey youth, why did God cast them out of the Garden? And they're going to say, because he sinned. Because they're bad. Because of all these things. When God cast them out of the Garden, because he loves them. So blame love today. 
blame love. You see, go ahead and pop that scripture up. But that Adam and Eve had ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They sinned, so evil was in them. If God wouldn't have made them leave the Garden of Eden and placed angels there to keep them out, if they would have ate of the tree of life, then they would have been stuck in their sin state forever. Did you ever think about that? God drove them out so that they could live another day and find him. And the scriptures behind me confirming what I'm telling you, and I'm sure you've already read it, but as it stays up there, you can go back to Genesis 3.15. But 3.15, it talks about one of the first prophecies of Christ. And it said that he will be under his feet and he'll nip at his heels. And God was already saying, before he pronounced anything, he was given salvation. And he's saying, there will be a day that you can receive Christ and the forgiveness of sins and be restored back to God. But Genesis 3.15 talks about that. John 3.16 fulfills it. Have you ever thought about that? Genesis 3.15, John 3.16. It fulfills it. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in me should not perish but have eternal life. Genesis 3.15, God run them from the garden to save them from eternal sin so that one day they could believe in Jesus and live forever and be reinstated back in to the Garden of Eden, if you will, heaven, if you will. So blame love today. Jesus drove people out of the Garden of Eden, out of the temple, if you will, because he loved them and he saw where they're at and he wanted them to look at their lives and see that their lives were not where they needed to be. So today we blame love that Jesus loves us so much that in John 17, he says these words, sanctify them in truth for your word is truth. He prayed this to God. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus challenges us to look at our lives but then he pays the price for all things. He paid the price so that we could be in relationship with God and could know God above all things. That we are forgiven of sin, but not only forgiven of sin, but we're delivered of sin. That we are overcomers, that we are victorious. Again, as the tongue interpretation said today. Don't you love tongues and interpretation? Paul says in the Bible that we should expect it every Sunday. Every Sunday you should have a hymn. You should have a spiritual song. You should have a prophecy. You should have a tongue and interpretation. Check me out on it. 1 Corinthians 15, somewhere in there. God wants to minister to us. I'm going to say this like I wrote it down to make sure you get it. Like God, Jesus in love was trying to rescue those, the people from their sins, save them, and give them an opportunity for righteousness. Christ's greatest concern is for holiness and godly sincerity 
within his believers, the temple. Point number three, we, the believer, are the temple. Now, I say today that if you're an unbeliever here today, you're a temple, but it's not for God. Uh, it's, it's for Satan. I hate to say that, but that's truth. But when you receive Jesus Christ, your, the Lord and Savior, he moves in and cleans house. And he takes order of your house and his spirit is in your temple. And so as the word says today, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Jesus rescued us and he made a home in us. And as Hebrews 12, 14 says, we strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So Jesus, through the apostle Paul, was saying, strive for peace with everyone. In other words, love God with all your heart or love your neighbor with all your heart, soul, and mind. And strive for holiness, meaning love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That theme's always in the scripture. All God wants of us is to love each other and to love him. And we do that by being at peace with each other and walking in holiness with him. That was good. Can I get an amen? Now, I watched a guy on TV the other day, and I told Amy, if you got to say you're good, then you're not. And I just did it. So our reading that we're doing out of Leviticus You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. I had another dream last night, and I had skipped over this earlier because I thought it was corny, but I I think the Lord's impressing me to say it. But I didn't like it because it wore me out, to be honest with you. I woke up tired. And, And anyway, but I was in the old gym at Lamar Schools, believe it or not, and, and I was trying to get everybody into the locker room. And a lot of you were in the picture and a lot of people I didn't know. And one guy knocked me down that I still don't know. But, but what the Lord was showing me was that, that the locker room was heaven and everything else outside of that was our desires and our concerns. And all these people knew they needed to go in the locker room but they wouldn't go in there. But the thing is, the Lord wouldn't let me speak. And so I'm in there trying to get people to go in the locker room, and they're like, later, 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 later. I'll have time for that later. And wow, I woke up bush today, to be honest with you. And I thought, boy, I'm glad I'm not Christ. Because Christ is calling us out And saying, I want more of you. I want all of you. I want you to desire holiness. Yes, I've delivered you of all those things. But I've also, man, I've I've, I've forgiven you for them, but I've set you free from them. And he wants us to pursue the totality of him. The other night I was getting ready to go to bed. It was 10 o'clock and... And I was ready for bed, and the Lord impressed on me to watch a show. It was called um, um, Impossible Builds. But it was people who would build houses in impossible places. And, and anyway, I didn't want to watch this. I don't like reality shows anyway. I think that's what's wrong with America. We're all a bunch of reality people. But, but anyway, I watched it, 
And, and, and this guy was trying to build a house in the ocean. And, and, and anyway, does anybody see that, that show? That way I can make the story up the way I want. <laughs> but, but no, I'll tell it like it was. But, but anyway, he was making this boat or this house. And the top floor that was on the water, it was neat. It had a, it had the uh, dining room. It had a kitchen area, uh, living quarters as far as a living room. And I mean, it's spectacular marble and all these fancy things that don't rust and get salty and all that. Just beautiful. And then you walked outside onto the deck just on the ground floor and there's a big area. And in the middle, the square was cut out and it was a pool, but the pool was the ocean. And they had a mesh deal that dropped down. It was heavy, and it would drop down and make the the pool so you could swim in the ocean but yet be protected. Man, it was just unbelievable. This was the coolest thing. And they're making this thing and trying to make it work, and they're building it. Well, to get it float and do what it needed to do, they had to put a a room below water level. Well, that room was the bedroom and the bathroom. And outside of the bedroom and bathroom, they took corals that were concrete, and excuse me, concrete, and put corals on them that they grew, which drew in fish. And all these beautiful colors started growing on this. It was out of this world beautiful when it was done. Out of this world beautiful, and they had this bathtub. And anybody knows me, I usually go home after church, I get in the bathtub, turn on the ball game. Usually I fall asleep, and I lay in the bathtub for like an hour and a half. And my wife gets mad at me, one day you're going to drown, you know. But, but, but anyway... <laughs> I, uh, I love to do that. And I thought, man, I could see myself in that bathtub looking out there and watching these fish and just stand there all day. Well, then you get out and the bedroom's there. And it's, this is beautiful. And uh, man, I'm tripping. And the Lord hit me while I was watching the show. You see, there's this big glass that, that went around the whole side that it wrapped around just about two foot on each side of the side walls. And it was about that thick and it was pressurized and stuff. And that's what allowed them to see the beauty outside. And at the end of the show, the guy made a comment. Scuba divers jumped down there and were cleaning these windows off. And the the announcer said, they have to do that every day. Because algae will grow over those windows and you can't see the beauty that's outside. Now you see where I'm going. God has forgiven us. And he set us in right relationship with him, but he wants to, us to walk in holiness. So whenever we're walking in unholiness, our minds are preoccupied and we're caught up in all these things. And the algae covers the windows and we can't see the beauty of God. For the sexual and moral, you, when you're having sex outside of, of marriage and, and outside of a relationship, are you worshiping God while you're having sex? No. Most likely people that are caught up into that type of thing are very slow to worship God because they don't feel worthy. I think back in the day when I was a Christian, saved at 12 in the church, and I began to to play with the booze. And and I got drunk one night, and I was laying in my bed, and the Lord convicted me, and I, I cleaned the algae off so that I could experience Him. I've asked for forgiveness. God, I won't do it again. Well, I did the next week and the next week, but I quit praying. And a lot of times we quit praying because when we are in known sin, the devil condemns us and condones us, and we get, we're not worthy to pray, or I've got to suffer for three days, or I've got to do this, and we just get further and further and further away from God. 
Remember, Chip, we don't have to. We get to. But how's it going for you when you don't? That's what the Lord was showing me through this. That he's a jealous God and he says, not in my house because he loves you. And he wants all that stuff out of the way. He wants your window. He wants you to get out of bed every day and say, God, examine me, Lord. I just want more of you. Not because I have to, Lord, but because I want to. I want to know you. Do you know that I did not get one complaint about Chip Brim preaching two hours during the revival every night? Not one. Now, I've got this. Yeah, it was a long time, but it was good. And the reason I say that today is, is that when we put ourselves with God and we start reading the word, man, it is good. This Bible thing we're doing together, it is good and, and it strengthens us and it encourages us. So the more of God we put in, because we get to, the more beauty of God that we see. You follow me today? When I went to Bible college, Doug knows as well as anybody I quit drinking a month before I went to Bible college and threw my tobacco in the trash can as I walked in the door of Bible school. Not because I had to, but because I got to. And I remember the first month there about got kicked out because I was fighting too much. But as I began to put more of God in, if you remember the first tongue interpretation I heard in Bible college, I was like, what was that? I don't sure I know. What, uh, what is that? And I'm on this side of the, 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 the stadium. There was 7,000 people in there. And I hear an interpretation on that side. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to think about that. And I began to pray and read the scripture and get closer to God and closer to God. Every day we got out of bed. We had a Bible class with our, with our buddies in our room. We had to as required. Then we went to classes. Every class had a devotion, Bible study, prayer. The Holy Spirit broke out. We didn't have class. Then we went into 10 o'clock chapel. And we got to do chapel every day at 10 o'clock. Got to hear, hear David Wilkerson, all these big names that you guys know today. Got to hear all of them preach every day. Got that done. We got to go back to class and have more Bible study, more prayer. I was under a covering, guys. We were seeing miracles. People delivered of demons. Instant healings. All these things happening. Why? Because I gave more to God and I saw more of his beauty and he moved in my life. And by the way, what happened to the day that we couldn't pray for you and you'd be delivered on the spot? I hear all the time, you know, pastor, I just can't beat this. Jesus already beat it. And I can do all things to Christ Jesus who gives me strength. So point four, we strive for holiness. And I'm going to turn you to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But as I read these things today, I'm going to go to the end. And it confirms what I'm saying, that we're not only forgiven, but we're delivered. And we got to realize that 1 Corinthians chapter, Corinthians was written to the church, to the body of Christ. This wasn't for the unbeliever. This was for the believer. But it starts out here, um, I'm going to go to the end here, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, 
and by the Spirit of God. So let's go back to verse 11. And such were some of you, meaning before you were a believer, these things controlled your life. Now that you're a believer, you have been forgiven, you have been delivered, you've been washed, sanctified, holiness, justified, Jesus paid the price. It's done. Then he goes in and talks about these things. He starts out in verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Back to that same thing today. If you're an unbeliever here today, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But if you're a believer here today and you've confessed Jesus as Lord, you're a believer. So he says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor the adulterers, the idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, rivalers, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, meaning it's no more. God has given us power, not only forgiven us, he's given us power over these things. Go back to Leviticus. And a lot of you are skipping Leviticus. A lot of you are scanning Leviticus. I was too. <laughs> I, I was like, blah, 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 blah. And the Lord convicted me. He said, why is everybody skipping Leviticus? That's what my son has taken care of. And you look at all those things in there, all those requirements, and a lot of you put on Facebook, I'm thankful for Jesus. Because you believe that he has given you freedom from them, that he has forgiven you, but do you believe he's delivered you? If you confess your sins, or faithful and just confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and deliver you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. So we're looking at Leviticus, and I'm getting pumped reading this, because I went through and I started writing down everything that requirement-wise that Christ took care of. Wrote them down. Even got to the tattoo thing, and everybody's like, oh, don't bring it up, Pastor. Because half the church believes that we have freedom to have tattoos. And the other half the church says, no, it's wrong. Do you know what the Lord told me? Thank God for the blood, because one of us are wrong. I should be hearing cheers on that. I should be hearing cheers on that. Thank God for the blood. But as I'm reading through here, and we're seeing all these requirements for all these sins that had to be met to get the deliverance. And then we go over here and you see the leprosy and all the stuff that we talked about earlier. And the, and the diseases and all that stuff. And the Lord reminded me in the scripture in 1 Peter 2.24 where he talks about how the cross has forgiven us, delivered us, but oh, by the way, and by his stripes you are healed. He's done it all. You know, the Lord gave the word today. We should have just went home. Because everything I'm telling you was in the tongue and interpretation today. We just got to believe that. We got to believe that Jesus is tired and he's saying, not in my house because he knows you're tired and you don't want it in your house. But Satan has convinced you that you're dead and you're defeated and you're not. You're the sons and daughters of God and he's given you freedom and authority over it in Jesus' name. And he does it because he loves you. He sees you. 
Jesus saw you in heaven and came to you. And a lot of us don't get it. Don't get it. That if we strive for holiness, we'll see God. Anything you give to God, he'll multiply back. And all you hear is he's taken me. He's taken my time. He's taken my money. He's taken everything. That's, all, that's, that's what you're saying a lot of times. Because I'm saying it. Are you tired of the fight today? Then you should be at these altars and saying, God, I'm tired of the fight. Forgive me for my unbelief because he's taking care of it. And if you struggle with unbelief, do what the scripture says. Lord, help my unbelief. That's straight from the Bible. They prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to see like you see. If you're here today and you're blaming God, you're finding out I should be blaming Satan or yourself. And realize how much he loves you. But you've been forgiven, delivered, and set free. Let us all stand to our feet today. The altars are open. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, now's the time. Because you will go to hell without Christ. And I don't say that mean. I say it out of love. But if you're here today and you need to deal with some stuff, let's come and deal with it today.